0: Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan VanderLeek here with my longtime friend and co-host Ananga Sevier. We come together weekly from Kent and Leelanau to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page. We've been sharing a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety for over 10 years. You're invited to join us in our private Facebook group. Simply search for Anxiety Slayer or click on the link in our show notes. Hello, Ananga. Hey, Shen. So good to be with you again. Today, we're going to discuss chronic illness and anxiety, which is inspired by a listener question that we recently received. And here's what he says. I'm a keen follower of your podcast. Your podcast has really helped me through difficult times, calming my anxiety and giving me a calmer mindset. I've had Crohn's disease for 28 years, which in the past has caused me terrible anxiety. I use your techniques to help calm my anxiety, and I wonder if it would be possible to focus on chronic illness in one of your upcoming podcasts. I still find it difficult to accept, even after 28 years, that my illness is for life. Trying to find techniques that help with understanding this mindset would be really useful. I've scoured the internet for podcasts relating to anxiety and chronic illness, but haven't found anything useful. Keep up the fantastic work you do. We haven't had this question before.
1: No, we haven't.
0: And I think that, you know, based on, based on your personal experience, I'm just glad that we're, we're here and we can talk about it and you can share from your point of reference.
1: So for our listeners that uh, aren't aware, I've lived with chronic illness for most of my adult life. I'm grateful to say that at the moment I'm in a better place with it. But for many years I've been bedridden, um, using a walking stick just to go from my bed to the bathroom. Using a mobility scooter for many years and in a lot of pain since my early 20s, now in my 50s. So, for most of my adult life, I understand very well what it is to live with daily pain and incapacitation and how that affects the mind. So, I'm really happy to share anything that can be of service to others. I think for me, One thing that took me a long time to learn and has served me so well since I did, and I've shared this with many others who who say it's helped them also, is giving myself permission to rest on difficult days. It's very easy when we're unwell. We can be in bed or in a chair propped up somewhere, and it might look to others. It might appear at a surface, scan to ourselves like we're resting. But if the mind isn't resting, we're not. The body might be immobile, but the mind can be berating us. And for me, my mind would kick me all over the place. When I first got ill, it was quite sudden and quite serious. And I didn't know how long it was going to last. I thought it was just a a temporary thing, and I was kind of too busy dealing with it to get into any strategies for coping. I was just in it. But as the months rolled by and, and turned into years, and it settled upon me that. I might be that way forever. That's when my mind started really chewing on me that uh, I was burdensome. I wasn't doing things I should be doing with my life. Um, if I was able to do one task, there'd be another four or five that needed doing. That was a very painful way to live for me. So over time, I learned to go inside more, to go inwards more, and to settle. On the understanding that even in illness, some days are better than others. Some days are harder than others. And that doing the best we can might be tiny, but it's still the best we can. And to be okay with that, once that understanding
0: developed for me, that really helped. To be able to celebrate those small things, the, the, the things, you know, are big wins to us. Sometimes that might look very, very small to somebody else. Yeah. like
1: taking a shower. Mm-hmm. It was very, very hard for me to take a shower. It was hard for me to wash my hair. It hurt like crazy for me to hold my arms up to wash my hair. So just knowing that those are triumphs yeah, and understanding that those closest to me didn't define me by my illness and therefore I shouldn't either. And for me, the teachings of the Vedas, the teachings behind Ayurveda, India's ancient science of life, and the wisdom teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, which both come from this same wisdom treasure house that is the Vedas that teach that we're not our mind and we're not our body. I'd been studying and reading that for years, and an illness gave me the opportunity to explore that more deeply, that my body was in pain and my body wasn't functioning well, but that wasn't me. I could still speak and communicate and connect with those that were, were closely with me and one thing that was a great comfort for me was that my daughter didn't see me as a sick mama when she was little. I've asked her about it and she just said, no, I used to come home from school and you'd be in bed and I'd just jump on the bed and you'd ask me about my day and we'd talk and we'd laugh and she felt that I was very present for her. So that was a great comfort to me, just understanding that even when we're incapacitated, we can still connect very deeply. And uh, one experience that I had that was really interesting with living the wisdom teachings that were not our body was when I found myself in an MRI scanner. Shan, you knew me well at the time, and I was uh, under observation for, for serious health problems. And I went into the hospital on my mobility scooter and parked up by this unit to have the MRI scan. I wasn't particularly looking forward to it. I didn't like the idea of being enclosed for a long period of time. And unfortunately for me on that day, the male nurse that dealt with me was very robotic, um, non-compassionate. And there were a series of challenges in, in getting prepared to go in the scanner. At that time, I needed help from my daughter who wasn't able to be with me. Um, she would help me undress. She would have helped me get the gown on and get myself ready. But at that time, she was at school and not able to be there. So I found myself in this very hot, tiny little room, struggling to get myself prepared. And I started to feel really anxious, really claustrophobic. I felt like I was with people that were non-compassionate. It was hard for me to get myself prepared to go in the scanner. Didn't want to go in the scanner. And I could feel myself starting to, to mentally go down. And I thought, okay, there's two ways this can go. I'm either going to go into anxiety or I can look at this as an adventure and try and see how deeply I can go into these teachings that I've been studying and trying to live for many years. So I decided to try and go the adventure route. They did make me quite comfortable when I was there, and uh, propped me up with pillows and a blanket. And I thought, okay, I haven't got to hold my body. I can let my body go. So I just closed my eyes, and I decided to go to a holy place that I know of. In India, it's a pilgrimage path that many friends of mine have taken there, and I found myself shuffling around this path as I would move in my body at that time. And then I realized this is in your mind. You're going there in your mind and heart. You don't have to shuffle. You can do anything.
0: Mm.
1: You're not your body, right? These are the teachers right. that we're trying to explore, so you can do anything. So I was walking and offering respect. On this particular pilgrimage path, people lay down, And they put a stone marker, they like prostrate themselves in the holy earth, put a stone marker down, get up and go again. So I was able to do that. And then I was thinking, wow, even after all these years of looking at these teachings, how easy it is for me to identify with the body. So I found that a really incredible experience. I had another experience uh, once on a bus when I was feeling very unwell and overwhelmed and I'd gone to a Christmas Pantomime with my family, and we got the bus home, and I was just wanting to be anywhere else but on that bus. It was way too much for me, and I was in a lot of pain and I just closed my eyes and I was gone so mm. those experiences for me were really validating, so if we're trying to respond to this question from our listener about mindsets, for me, those teachings have been um, incredibly helpful. Our body may be sick, our body may be in pain, but we're not defined by our body. We're not our bodies. There's so much more to us. Tell us about the Project Sanctuary work. Project Sanctuary is a process developed by a friend of mine who I was working very closely with some years ago, Sylvia Hartman. She's the developer of Emotrance as well. Project Sanctuary is a really clever process where we use our imagination to create our our own inner world you create a place in your mind and step into it with full sensory immersion using all your senses to just really be in that place where you can have adventures and and learn. She taught me Project Sanctuary when I was first really ill and I was bedridden. I couldn't do anything without help and so I created this sanctuary space in my head which was a safe place to go And I created a house and surrounding countryside. And it was the kind of environment that I loved to be in, but couldn't physically be in. Mm. And I would spend a lot of time there while my daughter was at school. And again, you know, when you're talking about mindset and you're incapacitated, you just lay there and your mind runs all over you. You know, you, you focus in on physical symptoms, you focus in on the pain. The facts of your incapacitation, I would worry about what when old age comes on top of this, you know, what kind of state am I going to be in then, or just the things you can't do, the things you feel you're missing out on. So, Project Sanctuary gave me a place to go in my mind where I could live and not be confined by pain. So, I would ride a horse, I would run. I had a hill there, this beautiful green rolling hill that I created in my mind, and I would just pelt up and down this hill. (laughs) (laughs) and look at the trees and look at the stars and lay on the hill at night and look up at the stars. And I got quite good at doing this in my imagination. And then I, I built a lagoon where I'd go and swim and to bring your senses into it so you can see the color of the water, feel the water. And this has been shown in so much research to really affect our mind. What we do in our imagination really affects our physiology. When we catastrophizing anxiety. We know that affects our body, Right. but it, it can go the other way too. So to imagine floating in warm water, relaxing, feeling safe, taking up different activities and pursuits there, that was very helpful for me and very
0: restful. And I'm sure it informed the, the time in the MRI along with the, the Vedas, you know, along with your, your teachings to combine those together and make that experience the best you possibly could under the circumstances.
1: Yeah, because I didn't consider myself a particularly visual person or a person with a strong visual imagination, but I had plenty of opportunity to practice. So Mm -hmm. I got quite good at, at going off and taking myself off. And I still can if I'm in a waiting room, if I'm in a hospital, I'm gone. I can just go to my inside place. And now that tends to be quite a devotional environment that I like to go to. But yeah. Those two experiences together informing each other has been, has been very helpful.
0: And I imagine that acceptance and a, a good, strong sense of self-care as much as you possibly can also helped through that period of time and uh, to calm anxiety and, and to just help you feel as good as you could in your body. Yeah, if we
1: don't accept, we're fighting. If we resist, we're fighting, and it's possible to completely exhaust yourself without moving a muscle just by objecting
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to what's happening. I don't want to be in this much pain. I don't want to be incapacitated. We're kind of arguing with ourselves. Acceptance definitely is key. Um, And then looking at what we can do, working with what we've got. I had a a sign I, I scribbled in my little office at the time, I can't remember exactly what it said now. It was something like, do what you can where you are with what you have.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I know that quote, yes.
1: So throughout that time, as incapacitated as I was, I was working with Sylvia Hartman. We were creating projects called HypnoDreams. And then um, during that time, I met you, Shan, and we started working together with Anxiety Slayer. And I'd have to take some pain relief half an hour before we spoke so I could meet you. And sometimes I'd be recording the podcast in my pyjamas, yeah, uh, knowing that when we were done, I could just go and lay flat. But trying to do what I could and looking back, although at the time I felt like I wasn't doing much or wasn't doing half as much as I would have liked, those were the sweet days where I could record some music or a guided relaxation. We made eight albums during the time when I was ill. So just that, doing what you can. Mm Mm-hmm grateful that I was able to connect with you from home, work from that space where, you know, you feel like you can't go out the home, but
0: okay, what can I do where I am? And you've had uh, a really good run these last few years uh, of feeling much better in your body yeah, and being able to get about and, uh, it's been a joy to to watch you really step into a a new experience of your health and and how you feel in your body thank you i i didn't anticipate that coming but for the, yeah
1: the last uh 4 years now i think i've been able to walk on my own and uh drive around where i need to go and i will never take that for granted walking is something i consider a, a great privilege something i very much Treasure, as anyone who follows me on social media will see, I'm always taking pictures of trees and skies and leaves and flowers because there was so long where I couldn't, other than in my imagination, see those things. So yeah, so so grateful for that. Me too. Thank you, Shan. I'd like to share some reading that really helped me. Also, in case it's of help to others, okay. There's an author called Tony Bernhard. She wrote a book called How to Be Sick a buddhist-inspired guide for the chronically ill and their caregivers and she has a new book now called how to live well with chronic pain and illness she helped me a great deal and she wrote that book laying flat on her back with a laptop on her chest so i have an enormous amount of respect for her and i found her to be great company when i was sick and just seeing her tolerance and her perseverance was very helpful to me so just being in that company of somebody going through something not the same, but certainly relatable to. Sure. Is very helpful finding those companions when we're ill. But also her teachings about uh, coping and
0: living well, living a good life when you're ill, really helped me. And then uh, I remember you were also talking about you know, there was another book that you'd read as well. Yeah, Vijay Birch.
1: Uh, living well with pain and illness, the mindful way to free yourself from suffering. Pijumal is in a wheelchair from a spinal injury that she sustained when she was very young in an accident, car accident. And she's a remarkable woman. I've been following her teachings for many years. And she shares an experience where she had to sit up in a hospital bed in incredible pain one night, um, unable to move while they were looking at the injury in her spine. and she had the realization she was thinking i can't do this all night i cannot sit like this all night in this much pain and she had the realization that i don't have to i just have to get through the next moment mm. just the next moment
0: right
1: and um she's a fantastic teacher and helps many many people with her teachings on mindfulness and uh how to cope with pain and suffering and she also talks a lot about acceptance and the two arrows teachings of buddhist psychology where the first arrow is what's happening and the second arrow is the arrow we stick in ourselves with our own minds of uh, resistance objection hating what's happening all the emotional stuff that comes is the second arrow and that's where the suffering really is so her teachings have been incredibly helpful to me she's around on social media wonderful person to follow so yeah looking for company Um, in others who understand what you're going through and are coping well. And and to understand that we all have really awful difficult days with it. (laughs) The long-term nature of chronic illness can be incredibly wearing. Uh, I remember a time where it was really starting to get to my mind, just the incapacitation. My nature is if I'm suffering with stress or anxiety, I like to move, I like to walk, and that's what we're always telling people to do. But on the days when we can't, it's not that we can't and that's it. That's the end of the story. We have to look for other coping strategies so we can walk and run in our minds or go to meditation or I used to practice laying down Qigong, spring forest Qigong, laying down, following guided practices where you're moving energy around your body with your mind. I found that incredibly helpful. So. There's a lot we can do. Audiobooks, if you can't hold a book to read, I couldn't read for quite some time. So I got a Kindle and I'd make the uh, print massive, like a kid's reading book. And I could say I'd read five pages and I'd laugh because it was probably a paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that was all I could do. But now we have so many podcasts, audiobooks, it's really important to fill your head with good stuff. It is. And
0: not just sit with a mind that's suffering. And it's been incredible to witness your journey and to you know walk the path with you and watch you get stronger and stronger and continue to do what you know you need to do to to keep yourself as strong and healthy as you can. You've been just such a role model, and I know that any of our listeners today who are suffering with chronic illness and pain are going to be so grateful to have listened in and thank you very much, Ananga. Thank you, Shan. As we close out this week, I want to remind you that we have a private Facebook group that you're welcome to join. All you have to do is log into Facebook, simply search for Anxiety Slayer and you'll find a group and page. Uh, You can join both and you can also just click on the link in our show notes. We'd love to have you join us.